Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. This morning, we're going to learn what it means to bust a move. Amen? In Jesus' name. All right. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, if you would, uh, to one of our anchor texts for this morning. Uh, We're revisiting something we read last week from Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 2. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, we see the writer of Hebrews, and there's debate about who the author of Hebrews really is. Uh, Some say it was Paul. Some say it's Apollos. Uh, I would choose to remain neutral because the the book itself, uh, no particular writer or author uh, takes credit for it. Uh, One of the reasons that commentators say it was not Paul is because the style and the rhythm of the letter is very different than any of his other epistles. The second reason they believe it wasn't Paul is because Paul typically, when he wrote an epistle to a church, when he wrote a letter to a church, announced himself, introduced himself. Paul, an apostle, a prophet by the will of God, etc., etc., etc. Many believe, many believe that this could have been Paul, some suggest. Some say it could have been Apollos, who was a notable, uh, a notable minister of the gospel. And some say it could have also been Peter. Uh, the, the letter is anonymous, uh, so we don't know with 100% certainty who to ascribe credit to. However, there is tremendous, tremendous uh, value and tremendous treasure in this book of the New Testament. So we look at together at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, and here the the author, the writer, is making a distinction between those who hear and benefit from what they hear and those who hear and receive nothing. And we emphasized last week that we could be exposed to equal opportunities, but equal opportunities do not necessarily mean equal outcomes. And so what the writer is saying here is that they were all exposed to the same information. They were all exposed to the same gospel, yet there were some who profited from what they heard and some who did not. Listen, City Church, we want to be the kind of church, we want to be the kind of believers, we want to be the kind of Christ followers who have evidence and fruit in our lives as a result of having heard the word. One of the most dangerous places to live as a Christ follower is in a place called self-deception. This is a kind of deception that comes not because of anything that anyone else has said or done. It is a failure on our own part because often we become satisfied with simply being hearers of the word and not doers. And that's why James said in James chapter 1 and verse 22, he says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. That's why most people struggle. There's this tension many times with people that say, this thing doesn't work. Because most times they think that it is sufficient, it is enough just to hear the word. And so people come to church and say, I was in church and walk out of church and remain unchanged. The difference comes when I apply faith to what I've heard. And that's the season that we're in as a church And that is the challenge I believe that God is giving each of us this morning as he adjusts our vision that we become doers of the word, not hearers only. So we can begin to experience the desired outcome. Listen to me. You've heard me say it before, but it bears repeating. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. The frustration and the exasperation that we often feel is a direct result of the gap that exists between what we expect and what we actually experience. And the gap in between determines the degree to which you will be exasperated and frustrated in life. You expect one thing from God, but you're experiencing something entirely different. And as a result, we become frustrated and sometimes we become angry at God. Yet in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, we see a key. A key to closing the gap between expectation and experience, which will reduce our frustration. And what he says is it's determined by not just hearing the gospel, but what we do with what we've heard. So in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, in the New Living Translation, again, our notes are available on version, and uh, they're also available on the screen. Notice what the writer says in verse 2. For this good news, the gospel that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us, and it was to them. But it did them no good. 
The New King James says it, prof- it did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So it is possible to hear the word and receive no benefit from it because what I hear has not been mixed with faith. So that's what we're going to talk about. What does it look like to walk by faith after I've heard the word of God? Listen to me. Uh, we're going to find that roadmap here. So uh, our anchor text, our anchor text. Man, there's so much I want to say, try to figure out how to get it all out. But in Deuteronomy chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 8, in the New Living Translation. I think what threw me off a little bit is because I read that from a different translation. I needed to read this second verse, this second reference, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 from the NLT. Okay, so here it is. Notice what, what the text says in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. This is God speaking to his people. He's brought them into the promised land, but they find themselves stuck. I don't know if you've ever been in that place with God where you just felt stuck. God shows up and he begins to speak to the children of Israel because he's brought them to the promised land, but now they're stuck. And this is what God says to them. He says, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, listen to this, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time for you to break camp and move on. Somebody say, bust a move. If we're not careful, we will get stuck in the last place where God moved. If we're not stuck, if we're not careful, we'll get stuck in the last place we saw the hand of God. If we're not stuck, we will build a tabernacle in a place where we're only meant to build a tent. If we're not careful, Mount Sinai, the place where God showed up and spoke to Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments, will become a monument instead of just a a rest stop. And God began to say to the Israelites, what, what, what are y'all doing? Because most times in life, we think we're waiting on God to move. And God said, I'm waiting on you. I moved on from Mount Sinai a long time ago. You still there. And you're wondering why I'm not showing up the way I used to. And God is challenging us. As he was challenging the Israelites, he said, it's time to bust the move. You stayed here long enough. In fact, this morning, we might have an opportunity for some introspection. What does your here look like? Because for some of us, our here would look like you stayed in this place emotionally too long. You've stayed in this place of unforgiveness and bitterness too long. You've nursed this pain long enough. It's time to break camp. That means pull up your tent post, pull up everything, pack up your clothes, and move on from this place because, baby, you stuck. And it ain't my fault. You choosing to stay where you are in this offense, in this disappointment. In this job? Come on, somebody. Now, listen to me. How many of you realize that when you quit your job, they stop paying you? Come on, somebody. Let that be a revelation unto you right now. Just in case you didn't know, when you quit your job, they stop paying you. But when my wife and I chose to follow God in obedience to Star City Church, I had five people under my roof. I had six people under my roof, including my mom and dad, me and my wife, and my two babies. My son had just been born. At the time I quit my job to Star City Church, my family had already been on one income for almost six months, had gone from two streams of income 
to one. And now God's saying it's time to bust a move, bruh. You stayed in Sinai long enough. Like, hold up. So you tell me, I need to quit this job. I'm down to one income. I've got six people I'm responsible for under my roof. I've got a newborn baby that's a few months old. My family needs insurance. And you're telling me to leave that and start a church. And the Lord said, yeah. And in prayer, the Lord gave me Exodus 3, 20 and 21. It's a picture of, of, of the Israelites leaving, coming out of Israel. And the promise he gave to them was, you will not go out empty-handed. Listen to me. I stood on the word. Now listen, the word you hear will not profit you if it's not mixed with faith. Reality said you got six people under your roof. You got a brand new baby. You talking about starting a church? Where is the money going to come from? Listen to me. Eight years later, City Church is debt free. We, listen to me. Without a sponsoring church, without a church that sent us out, God has supernaturally made provision every single step of the way. We've got money for operations. We've got money in the building fund. The Lord continues to meet every single need because we stood on his word and he said, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to bust a move. And his promise was you will not go out empty handed. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen. We can take a lesson from, is it Migos? And we got to walk it like we talk it. Yeah, walk it like I talk it. Yeah, walk it. No, 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 for real. We've got to start walking this thing like we talk it. No, we got to start walking this thing like, if you are a faith man and a faith woman, you prove it. By your actions. Yeah. See y'all looking at me funny? Because the truth is, many people will never taste what God has for them. Because they're so attached to Sinai. They're so attached to what God did here in this season. And the idea of moving from this place from walking away from this into uncertainty is too scary. Yet God says the best of your life and the rest of your life isn't behind you, it's ahead of you. Nudge that neighbor again and say, bust the move. The word they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith. So let's talk about faith. What does faith look like? In order to communicate this idea, and again, listen, listen, what we do at City Church is not just uh, uh, this, the dissemination of information. We don't just preach so that you can know what the Bible says. Our prayer is that what you hear from the word of God will be applied to your life. And as a result of that, you will experience transformation. That your circumstances, that your life, your relationships, everything that matters to you will be influenced and transformed by the application of God's word. So don't waste your time and just show up at church if you ain't going to mix the gospel with faith. Listen to me. Listen to me. The word of the Lord to you this morning is you've stayed at this mountain long enough don't justify it for another minute don't justify and try to explain why you stayed the Lord said you stayed at this mountain long enough it's time to break camp and move on okay this is not unique to the Israelites. God did it with a man named Abram in Genesis chapter 12. And he said to Abram, all right, Abram, uh, leave your family. 
Leave your kindred, leave your country. And this is what he says next. And go to a place I will show you. Hold up. If you're going to tell me to leave what I, what I know, at least show me, tell me where I'm going. And God says, no. This process of faith that I'm going to take you through is going to require that you walk away from what you know before I reveal what's next. Because what I'm willing to walk away from will always reveal and determine what God brings me into next. God can't bring you into what's next as long as you're fixated on your Sinai. Whatever that is. And for some of us, the clarity won't come until you walk away. I want you to hear that. I don't know who it's for. It is for somebody. You will not receive the next instruction from God until you walk away from this. Okay? Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. There's the witness in Deuteronomy chapter 1. You've stayed here long enough at Sinai. There's the witness in Genesis 12 with Abraham. Let me give you a third witness, the ten lepers. Ten lepers show up, call out to Jesus. Uh, Jesus comes to them, and they said, Lord, heal us. Jesus says to the ten lepers, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, for those of you who understand the culture and customs of that time, the reason they were on the outskirts of the city was because of their condition, their leprosy. They were unclean and were not allowed to mix and mingle with the people. Jesus says to them, when they say, Master, Rabbi, heal us. Jesus doesn't say be healed in Jesus' name or be healed in my name. He was Jesus. He wasn't talking in third person. For those of you talking third person. Uh, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, if I'm a leper and I'm already not supposed to be anywhere close to people, let alone a priest, why would I even listen to what Jesus had to say? Because I'm not allowed to go in public or even present myself to the priest until I'm already clean. And the text says, listen to me, the Bible says that they were healed as they went. Most of us ain't going to experience what God wants for us because we want to see the manifestation of the, the answer to the prayer first. God show me where I'm going before I leave this. And I quit my job with six people under my roof before any of this. And as we went, God sent the people. As we went, God made provision. I don't know who that's for. The next instruction is not coming until you bust a move. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Let me qualify what I'm saying. Don't go to your job tomorrow morning. <laughs> and say, I went to church yesterday. And Pastor Ray said. Let me say it one more time. Pastor Ray ain't telling you to quit your job. Pastor Ray is saying, if God told you, if in your relationship with God, this ain't Pastor Ray saying, if you have a relationship with God and God said, it's time to break camp, then do what God said. Until then, stay right where you are. Listen to me. If you quit your job, and God did not tell you to quit your job. Send all your emails to jesse at citychurchtv.com. Don't send them to me. I ain't going to answer. There comes a time 
when God says, you'll see your next step, you'll know what you're supposed to do as you go. The lepers were healed as they went. The lepers had to have faith, had to have faith that between what Jesus told me and the moment I stand in front of that priest, something about my condition is going to change somewhere between there and here. Because they had no business presenting, them to the, presenting themselves to the priest until and unless they were already healed. Something about the action of the lepers infers that they walked by faith. And as they obeyed Jesus, listen to me, illogical instruction. That's where most of us stuck. The instruction is illogical. It doesn't follow the ordinary pattern of things. And that's why some of us are afraid to leave Sinai. Because the instruction doesn't make any sense. But out of your own personal relationship with God, you will know his voice when he has spoken to you, even when you got six people under your roof to provide for, and you're about to walk away from your one stream of income because God said. All right. Somebody said bust a move. All right. So, so, so turn, turn, turn with me uh, to our anchor text. <clears throat> Everything I've said up until now was just an introduction. This is the actual message uh, for all of our first-time guests who think I'm kidding. I'm not. No, they're still looking like me like I'm kidding. City Church, why don't you tell? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay. Uh, the Cowboys got an evening game tonight, don't they? Okay, that's good news. Come on, somebody. Okay, so, 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 so let me just show you how this works. Let me give you another example of how this works, okay? This is real talk, man. I'm telling you, this is real talk. It is going to happen when we put faith to what God said. Okay? So uh, let me grab my Bible here because I'm going to read it along with you. Great story, man. Uh, from First Kings, I'm so, sorry, Second Kings uh, chapter 6. Story starts in chapter 6. First Kings chapter 6. Are y'all getting anything out of this so far? Okay. Second uh, Kings chapter 6. We'll begin reading at verse 24, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse number 24. All right? Uh, I'm just going to, man, there's several verses, but I'm going to skip around a little bit. Hopefully, you can follow along with me. Um, And I think I sent it to you in NLT, but I'm reading from the New King James. So if you can put New King James, it'll be easier for them to follow along because I'm reading from the New King James. Here we go. 2 Kings, the sixth chapter, beginning at verse number 24. And it happened after this. That Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army, and he went up and besieged Samaria. So the city of Samaria is now under siege. It is in the hands of Benhadad, the king of Syria. And over there in, I believe, First Kings, it talks about how he had sort of this, um, uh, 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 this army of 32 different kings. So these guys were locked and loaded when they came to Samaria and besieged it. Verse 25 says, and there was a great famine in Samaria as a result of the siege. There was a great famine. So what these nations would do, what these kings would do, is they would cut off the people's supply. This is a primarily agrarian or agricultural culture. And so when they laid siege, the first thing they would do is they would cut off their supply from their food, from their water, etc., etc. And then they would pillage the town or the village. So now they've come in, The king of Samaria, all right, and his vast army, they've laid siege to Samaria, and now there's a famine in the city because their supply has been cut off by King Ben-Hadad. Now, again, the scripture goes into great detail about the severity of the famine. Not all famines are created equal. This one right here, it was on a whole nother level. Notice what the scripture says. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until that infers a prolonged, extended period of time. 
they besieged it so long that these conditions began to manifest in the city. They besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Listen to me. You know you got it bad. When all that's available to you is donkey's heads and bird droppings. Listen, it's a frustrating place to be in life <laughs> when your money can't get you what you need. Listen to me, listen to me. <laughs> they had money, but they couldn't buy them what they needed. There are times and seasons in life when you and I will go through a famine. It'll be a frustrating place where your resources are inadequate, listen to me, to change your circumstances. Let me say it again. To our beautifully affluent North Texas congregation, where we ride the best and wear the best and make the most. When I moved, when I moved to Plano, my family physician, my family physician that we found, who was a believer, said that there were more antidepressant prescriptions per capita prescribed in Plano than any other place in the country. I don't know what the stats are now. 20 years later, we moved here in 2000. In 2000. Couldn't wrap my mind around it because everywhere I went, everything was big and it was brand new. And I started saying to myself, what are these people depressed about? And the truth is, it is possible to have every human and natural resource available to you. And it will still be insufficient and inadequate to change your circumstances when you're in a famine. And all you can do is exchange what you have for a donkey's head and bird poop. But wait, there's more. You're awful quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning, y'all. Listen to me. There's more. You know it's bad. Listen to me. I want to I talk to you. I'm talking to you this morning about the power of faith and the ability of your faith in one word from God to radically change your situation and circumstances. Listen, these people are eating donkeys' heads And bird droppings. But it gets even more intense. And notice verse 26. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall. Isn't that something? Isn't that painful? To be the king of a city in dire straits. And you don't even have the ability or capacity to help him. Who wants to be the king of that kind of city? I'm talking to the men for a second. Have you ever been in that place where there was a famine? You were in a season of famine and you felt inadequate to change the circumstances. I know how we are as men. We're rescuers. We're problem solvers. My wife and kids come to me and need something. I'm going to figure out how to fix it. Immediately. It's one of the reasons I'm bivocational. And the reason I'm working a second job is because I'm busting the move. I got things I want to do. And I have the ability to do both at the same time. Listen to me. For all of the lazy men in the house. Stop being lazy. You are lazy. And it ain't going to fall in your lap. Thank you. That's what the scripture said. If you do not work, you do not eat. And it's a frustrating thing to be the king of your castle. And you can't change the circumstances around you. Here's the king, and he's walking on the wall, and he's looking at his city, and people eating donkey heads and bird droppings. And, and, and listen, 
as he's walking, this lady cries out to him and said, help me, my Lord, O king. And he said, cha. <laughs> Come on, somebody. No, he didn't say cha. He didn't say cha, did he? I added that, that part. Y'all don't see that in your Bible? Where he said cha. Okay. He didn't say girl either. I, I know what he said, though. He said sis. Y'all know how y'all, 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 that's a dude. Y'all don't say girl. It, it, it just sis. King said sis. <laughs> Listen. The, the king said, if the Lord don't, let me change the grammar. Sis, if the Lord don't help you, where you going to get help from? Listen to me. There are times when you will find yourself in a famine. When human help, human effort, human wisdom. Listen to me. If God don't do it, it can't be done. That's where some people are. That's where some people are. And the process is you'll put the squeeze on you until you take your eyes off your dependence on man and put your eyes on him. That's what the squeeze is about. That's what the squeeze is about. He's not doing it to hurt you. He's not doing it because he's abandoning you. He's saying, I'm doing it so you can take your eyes off of a king who can help you and put your eyes on me. He said, where am I going to get it from? He said, where am I going to get it from? Am I going to get it from the threshing floor, which is where they, they process the wheat, and they would put the wheat in the, in the, uh, what you going to call it? I don't know. I forget what it's called now. And they would kind of bounce it around. And then the wind, as they threw it up in the air, the wind would take the chaff off. It's also the place where they would press the grain, the threshing floor. He said, where am I going to get it from? He's speaking to her in agricultural terms. He said, under normal circumstances, I go to the threshing floor and I give you what you need. Under normal circumstances, I go to the wine press and give you what you need. Ain't nothing there. <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation where you done look under every sofa pillow? You done shook the piggy bank. You done scraped out every penny in the cup holder. Am I talking to real people in, this, in the room this morning? <laughs> I'm talking about people who love God and you are under siege. And there's a famine in the house. <laughs> Only one thing can break that cycle. It is to mix what you hear with faith. All right, I got I to gotta, I gotta let y'all go. I got to let y'all go. Uh, so he said, and she answered, uh, uh, you know it's bad in verse 28. When the king asked you, what's your problem, girl? And she answered, man, <laughs> why am I doing this? My wife ain't here. That's why I'm doing it. That's why somebody text Pastor Wendy and tell her to make me stop. She's like, man, man. Uh, like, this woman said to me, give your son. That we may eat him today. And we're going to eat my son tomorrow. I ain't making this stuff up. It's in the book. When there is such a famine in your house and in your life that you resort to cannibalism. Are y'all with me? Listen to me, verse 29. So we boiled my son. And we ate him. Uh, just in case y'all think this is weird, let me just tell you what the human, the human mind is capable of. It's a South American soccer team that, that their plane crashed in a, uh, um, several years ago. I think it was late 70s. In fact, there's a movie called Survival or whatever. And some of them survived. The rest of them died. You know what they did to survive? They resorted to cannibalism. 
their friends who were already dead. They started to chop them up in order to, that's some good protein, isn't it? No, my, my bad. Sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. Uh, y'all get my wife. Y'all get my wife. <laughs> y'all texting her right now? No, I'm saying just in case those of you who are hearing this and think it's far-fetched because, no, it happened to an entire soccer team. Okay? Um, so we bawled my son and we ate him. And I said to her on the next day, now your turn. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know how it is when you in relationship when you keep your end of the deal? And you're waiting for them to do their part? All of a sudden, old girl had amnesia. Say, huh? What you talking about? <laughs> what you talking about? Give me, give you my son. What? What's up with that? I ain't. I I don't even know what you're talking about. Listen, said when it was her turn, she hid her son. So not only is she not going to give him up, she put that little boy in a place where you ain't never going to see him. Sometimes life is like that. When you trust and come up short. I'm telling you, the only thing that's going to break it is to walk by Faith. I'm about. To, I, I, I got to get to this. I got to get to this. So, 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 so. Uh, uh, so we bought my son of Aiden. It says, "Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman, that he tore his clothes, and and that is a sign, a symbol of mourning, when kings and priests and leaders would tear their clothes, they would rend their garments, they would put sackcloth, put on sackcloth and ashes, and anoint their heads, because as a king, he's helpless to change the situation." I'm telling you, there are seasons of famine that come, unfortunately. Listen to me, and it comes to us all. The scripture says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But here's the good news, the Lord delivers him out of them all. So you find yourself in a famine, here's what you do. So he's, a, so he's hopeless, he's helpless. Notice what he said. <laughs> Can I tell you something else about famine? Verse 31. It's not enough to be sorrowful. It's not enough to be in anguish. But here, here it is now. The little reprieve that we get, the only way we get it is if we blame somebody for what we're going through. For some people, they ain't going to rest until they find somebody to blame for why they are where they are. Oh, no, 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 this verse 31. Listen, listen. Then the king said... God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. So he's blaming God's servant, the prophet Elisha. And he said, all this stuff is happening in Samaria because of the prophet. That's almost one of our default settings, right? When life is good, we take credit. When life is bad, we blame God. When things are going the way they should go, the way we hope they should go, we take credit. We forget this thing called gratitude and thanksgiving to God. But when things get hard and I find myself in the family, guess who I'm going to blame? I'm going to blame God. I'm going to blame the man of God. I'm going to blame the church. I don't get a word from there. Let me go to this other church. And I don't get a word there, so let me go to the other church. And the problem is you're in a famine, and the only thing that will break that famine is your response in faith to the word. So... Uh, I think we got a beautiful uh, thing to help us. So, 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 Benadad said, uh, Elisha, it's your fault. And Elisha clapped back. He said, no. Just show, show him what it looked like. Take the text off the screen so they can see it. Take the text off the screen. No, put the picture on the screen. There you go. So King Ahab, <laughs> what role with your pastor, man? <laughs> Ahab said, Elijah, that famine is all your fault. Check out Elijah. Elijah's like, nope. I didn't do it. 
Somebody take a picture of the screen and send it to me. I, I, I need that picture on the screen just for me. I spent too much time on social media this week. Okay, I'm about to close. Like for real. So he's blaming Elisha, and guess what happened? He sent a messenger to Elisha's house. And this is what happens, verse 32. Uh, it says Elisha was sitting in the house, and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a man ahead of him, but before the messenger came to him, listen to me, listen to me. Most of our anger is a direct result of misplaced frustration. And most of the time, our frustration is misplaced and it lands on the people in closest proximity to us. You mad at your husband, but it really, he, he, it wasn't him. You mad at your wife and kids, but it really ain't them. What you're feeling on the inside is a frustration because there is a gap between what you're experiencing and what you expected. And the first thing you do is you lash out at the people closest to you. So let me pick somebody. Uh, oh, Elisha, you're going to pay for this. It's your fault. So he, sends, he, sends, he goes to Elisha, and, and so they show up at Elisha's house. And look, do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, this is Elisha speaking. When the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. So he sends the messenger, and then the king, Ahab, is right behind him. And this is what he says, verse 33. And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. And the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why, listen to me, why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Listen to me. If you're not careful in your famine, you'll give up on God. Who is the only one who can change your circumstances? And he said, well, God did this, so why even wait on him? If he's going to treat me like this, why should I even trust him? And our anger... And our frustration is misplaced. God didn't do it to them. It was Ben-Hadad. You barked up the wrong tree. I don't know who that's for. Also, your frustration and your anger is misplaced. It's misplaced. It's misplaced. In fact, you have sat at that mountain of blaming the wrong people long enough. It's time for you to break camp and move on from that blame game. All righty. Uh, okay, where are we? So it crosses over chapter 7. And I'm about to close. I've got to say this. I'm about to close, but I've got to say this. It crosses over chapter 7. And, and, and you see the transaction. And, and, and Elisha says to the king, Ahab, you're about to give up on God? But let me give you a word that's about to change everything. That's about to change everything. So while he's mad at God, this is what Elisha says. Hear the word of the Lord. Here, listen to what God said. In the midst of the chaos and the famine and the desperation and the frustration, stop long enough to hear what God is saying about your circumstance. Hey, that's the problem. We don't stop long enough. We give up on God and the prophet said, stop and hear what God has to say about your circumstance. I know you're mad at God, but God still has got something to say to you. He still has something to say to you about this thing you're mad at him about. So stop and listen. And he says, hear the word of the Lord. Listen, he says tomorrow. Listen to me. He says tomorrow about this time. 24 hours from now. He says, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. And two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. You know what he was saying? He said within the next 24 hours. 
there's going to be so much food in Samaria that you're going to be buying stuff for pennies. In 24 hours, you are going to go from eating bird droppings to so much abundance that you're going to be paying pennies for it. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I want you to imagine your circumstances right now, no matter how dire they are. What if, what if right now, what if right now God is saying this time tomorrow, as bad as things are now where you're eating donkey head, tomorrow you're going to have so much, every need met, every bill paid, there's going to be no lack in your life in 24 hours. Listen to me, in 20, listen to me, in 24 hours. Now they have to mix what they heard with faith. <laughs> listen to me, if God came to you right now, or a prophet came to you right now, and said, I know the bill collector's after you, I know they're coming to get you, I know you've been, uh, uh, uh. anyway, I can't even think of a scenario bad enough to compare to what they were going through. And he said within 24 hours, everything, listen to me, within 24 hours, everything. Within 24 hours, everything is going to change. Listen to me, last week I told you guys we're coming into a season of accelerated manifestation where we will begin to stand, we will begin to stand in the things we've been believing for. And there will be an accelerated manifestation. So I got this text this week, and I'm going to show this to encourage you. I got this text this week, and let's kill the lights. I got this text this week, and I got a text from a member of our church, and they said, hey, our son's in school he wants us to watch this TV show tonight. We're not even sure why, but he's going to be on the show. But he just wants us to watch it. Let's go ahead and kill the other light. And let's run this video. Come on, somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right, let's bring the lights back up. Let's bring the lights back up. Why, why, why did I share that video? That happened on, and, and Fitzgerald's dad's here. Uh, Bobby, why don't you come? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, listen to me, that happened this week. We've been believing God for accelerated manifestation. We've been saying that we've come into, we've crossed over. This is not, it's not only going to happen magically when January 1st of 2020 happens. It's happening now because we're in this season of accelerated manifestation. Amen, amen. So listen to me, listen to me. How hard would it have been if, for instance, I had come to Bobby and said to them, this time tomorrow. Your son's tuition would be paid for. Anybody in this room would be hard to receive. And that's what's happening in Samaria. This time tomorrow, everything about your life is going to be radically different. You know why? Let me tell you why. Because there are conversations happening about you right now. Listen to me. There are conversations happening about you right now that you're not even privy to. God is causing people right now to think about you favorably. And it's possible that this time tomorrow, regardless of what your situation and circumstance may be, that everything, everything, and, and again, when you and your family... When you and your family moved, listen, when Bobby and his family and his wife is serving in children's church, when his wife and family moved from, from, from uh, Minnesota, they had lost everything. everything. I mean, when I say successful, I mean not just successful, I mean extremely successful, I mean uber successful. And unfortunately, again, when you trust the wrong people. I'm sorry, guys. It's all right. You trust the wrong people. And in one business transaction with the, right, with the wrong person, lost everything. When I say balling, 
I mean bawling out of control. And two years ago, two years ago, two years ago, I think it was two years ago. Yes, two years ago. Uh, sent his wife a word. For those of you who think that stuff is weird. Last week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop for a second. I'll finish the message some other time. But last week, I, was, I felt the Lord impress something in my heart for Brian and his family, uh, for Brian and Cassie, for Brian's mom, for Brian's sister. Where did y'all, why don't you come? Right in the middle of giving them their word. Listen to me. Listen to me. This stuff ain't weird. God still speaks. Yes. If y'all remember, y'all were here right in the middle of giving them their word. What did I say? I said, where did y'all? You're next. Anybody remember that? Right in the middle of talking to them, I said, where did y'all? You're next. Right in the middle of talking to them, I said, where did y'all? You're next. So after church, let where did y'all borrow the mic for a second? Hey, Grace, how are you? <laughs> That's my beautiful wife. Come on, somebody. Hold on to what you got, brother. Hold on. There you go. That's what's up. Right in the middle of talking to them, I said, where did y'all? You're next. So after service, I'm outside in the lobby saying hi to people. You know how I do, you know. Shaking hands, kissing babies. And, uh, and uh, where did y'all is talking to Pastor Wendy. And I'm walking by. I said, no, Pastor Ray, I got to talk to you. And with tears in the eyes, this is what she said. Oh, wow. Um, I had been praying for a word, and I had been praying for a public word because I knew that the, the vessel that God would use would not put their integrity on the line if they made it public. So I knew if it came from somebody, they would, they would be sincere because they would not want to be a, made a liar for God. And so I had been praying for a public word, so he had turned to... I think Brian's mom, and started talking to her. And I was up there with my husband, and I sighed. And I said, here we go again. Somebody else gets a word. And I really said that in my spirit. And I had been fasting and praying. And I started businesses, and I said, God, did you really call me to do this? But I hadn't discussed it with anyone, even my husband. And so I'm just sitting there like, just here we go again. She gets a word. And Pastor Ray says, and wedded joy, I have something for you. And I just popped up, and I was like, whoa. And he just spoke to exactly what I've been wanting to hear. I have been writing my dreams down, hoping maybe God will communicate to me that way. Just everything, just desperate. And I got the word. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. Listen to me. Thank you so much for sharing that. So right, right in the middle, right in the middle of talking to them, she's talking to God. Here we go again. Somebody else gets a word. I've been praying and asking for you to speak to me publicly. Right in the middle of talking to them, she's talking to God, and God talks to me. And God says, tell her, where did you're next? To confirm and to answer a prayer that she's had in her heart. But it's not only the timing of the interruption, it's also the specificity around her business. Does God still speak? Absolutely. The question is, can you mix what you've heard with faith? When God speaks, will you believe that God will do what he said? So two years ago, two years ago, come on, I told y'all, we're coming to a season where we're going to walk in the things that we've been praying and believing for. This was about two years ago. I went back through my phone because I've changed phones. I was trying to see if I could uh, show you guys the text, but I couldn't find it in my phone. But about two years ago, the Lord was doing a work of restoration. Grace, bring us up to speed. Yes, Pastor. Um, I was looking to for that message, but I know there are so many words that you give us and encouragement that you give us concerning Fitzgerald. And I was looking for that. Uh, can you please go over that? Yeah. Exactly? Yeah, so I, again... I was just praying, and when I'm praying, I pray for you, I pray for the church, I pray in general, but sometimes God gave me something very specific. Two years ago, I was praying for them, and the Lord uh, uh, gave me, uh, and again, whenever the Lord gives me a word, it's always accompanied by the word. So everything I say to these people, it's accompanied by God's word. So the word the Lord gave me was from 1 Samuel chapter 30. Uh, David had lost everything, came back to Ziklag. They had taken away the women, taken away all their possessions. 
And then David prayed and said, Lord, what should I do? Should I pursue? And the Lord said, pursue, for you will surely recover all. The Lord gave me a word concerning them that they would recover every single thing that they had lost. And the Lord is fulfilling that in their lives right now. He's doing it right now. Come on, somebody. When you've lost everything and somebody paid your baby's tuition, that's accelerated manifestation. And it's going to continue to happen. It's going to continue to happen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all want to testify some more? Oh, you're already talking? You're already testifying? Yeah. Okay, uh, I wasn't sure how far. Well, you don't know, there's a, I have a bachelor degree in criminal justice, so um, I work in manufacturing, well, go figure. So I did put my resume, uh, I think six, seven months, maybe a year, in the Dallas DA's office. I just forgot about it. I think last week I received a call, and I'm just hoping you know, things will materialize. In Jesus' name. We believe it will. Hey, man, I had a whole lot more to say, but somebody get coquetso. Somebody get coquetso. Somebody get coquetso. Somebody get coquetso. Let me finish the story for you while we're waiting on coquetso. So there's four lepers, four lepers sitting outside the city. There's four lepers sitting outside the city. Notice Elisha has said, this time tomorrow there's going to be so much food, you ain't going to know what to do with it. And they're looking at their circumstances, and, and, and the, the uh, Ahab's assistant, the king's guard, said, even if God were to open the windows of heaven, that couldn't happen. That's our response usually, right, with God. When God gives us this word, we like, maybe he can do it for them, but he can't do it for me. Even if God, if you open all the windows of heaven, how would this even happen? And Elisha said to this guy, you're going to see it, but you'll not taste of it. Come on, Coquetso. Come on, come on. And I'm going to finish the story. Let Coquetso borrow the mic for a second. I'm going to let you stay up here with me. Somebody take a picture of this. I'll send it to my wife while we're talking just to... Y'all know I like to post pictures on social. And, and so you're going to testify about the thing you told me. Oh, the thing I told you? The thing you told me, the yes. Told you. <laughs> the thing you told me. Discern and decipher what that means. How we doing on time? I got to say this. We good? Okay. I got to say this. And we'll let y'all go. This is important. This is important. Uh, yeah. The, them people you're going to watch in a few minutes, they already made their millions. I'm trying to get you yours. Listen, listen. Uh, so the four lepers, they're sitting on the outskirts of the city. They have no idea the conversation that's going on between Elisha and King Ahab. Now listen to what the four lepers say. Listen, listen. The four lepers are sitting outside the city. It says in verse 3 of 2 Kings chapter 7, it says, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? Somebody said, bust a move. These four lepers are saying, We got to do something different. What we've been doing up until now ain't working. And if we continue to do what we've always done, we're just going to sit here and die. Hit your other neighbor and say, bust the move. Listen, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. The leper said, why are we sitting here until we die? Notice, notice their reasoning. Listen, listen. He says, if we enter the city, the famine is in the city. And we're going to die there. If we sit here, we're going to die right here. Now, listen to me. Point number one of my message no, I'm, I'm, I'm real, but I'm not going to preach anything else. Point number one of my message, faith is divine risk. They say if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, there ain't no food, we're going to die there. Hold up. What if, what if we go into the camp of the Syrians? Maybe they will have mercy on us. But even if they don't have mercy on us, their words, we will only die. What he was saying is, if I stay right here, there is a 100% certainty that I'm going to die. But if I take this step of faith, there is a 50-50 chance that my circumstances will be different. 
And when they took those first steps, listen to me, this is in the Bible. I'm not reading it. I'm giving you the cliff notes. When they started to take the first steps, the Bible says that God caused their steps to sound like chariots and horses so that the enemies fled from their camp. Because when these four leprous men, unlikely heroes in the story, when they took their steps of faith, God used their steps of faith, even though they didn't understand it. But when they took those first steps, four men, eight feet, God multiplied their simple steps of faith and caused it to sound like an entire army. And the Syrians fled their camp. The four men went into the camp. First thing they did, they ate real good. I would have done the same thing. And then the next thing they said is what we're doing is not good. Go back and read the story. They said what we're doing is not good. It's not good. We need to go tell somebody. And they went into the city and told the people. And the king came. And they took all the gold, all the silver, brought it back into the city, all the food. And the scripture says the very next day, this time tomorrow, there was so much food in Samaria that they didn't even know what to do with. How did it happen? Faith is divine risk. Four lepers started walking, and God used those four lepers to cause breakthrough for an entire city. Listen to me. There are people, there are entire cities, there might even be a nation waiting on your obedience to God. Your simple steps of faith. It's not just about you because the third point, listen to me, the third point in my message is faith has friends. What God is calling you to do is not just about you, for you, and yours. What God is calling you to do, like the four lepers, is because he has others in mind. There is a word that he has given that you are connected to, and your connection and your participation in it is going to bring that word to pass. Listen to me. Second point in the message. Second point. Number one, faith is divine risk. Second point, faith is voice activated. Faith is a lot like Alexa. And so when they began to activate their faith by their words, they began to take action. Faith is not faith until you, in fact, when you read Mark 11, three times in that verse, it says, whatsoever he saith, whatsoever he saith, if he says to this mountain, be thou removed, whatsoever he saith, it shall happen. The emphasis is not only on what we believe in our heart, but it is what is coming out of our mouth because faith is voice activated. And then three, faith has friends, bring people with you. So this is where we're going to close the message. Uh, had a meeting with, with Coquetso yesterday, had no idea uh, that he was going to share this. But when God speaks, he will confirm his word. He will confirm his word. And we are in a season, listen to me, already, not in 2020, it's going to happen in 2020, but we ain't got to wait till 2020. It's a season of accelerated manifestation where we'll begin to walk in and stand in the things we've been believing for. So yesterday, there was something I asked you about, and you told me uh, 2016, and then take, take, tell us what was, what's going on with you. Um, yes, uh, so a lot of you already... I should know that, um, you know, I'm from South Africa, so I've been here for quite some time. And uh, so Pastor Ray was asking me about uh, my immigration status. Um, and um, so I was telling him that, so he asked me if uh, I had my green card already. I said, well, no, I'm Well, I asked you if you were a citizen yet. Correct. First. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so I told him, no, not actually. I'm, I'm sort of working on my green card um, through work. And so what happened was earlier this year, so when the application started, we did step one of it, and then step two. And then when you got to step two, uh, my attorney said, um, so we checked with uh, Homeland Security, and they said that there's uh, a long wait. And basically, they said that they were working still on applications from 2016. So it meant that I would have to wait three years before they got to my application. Listen to me. Three years, 2016, are the applications are processing. Uh, his situation is time-sensitive for another reason. We'll celebrate here very soon. <laughs> and I told him, it's going to take you three years, bro. We're crossing over to 2020, and we're still processing applications from 2016. Yes, and then so um, just about uh, a week and a half ago, uh, my attorneys called me, and uh, they said that, you know, you need, to, you need to get ready. You have to do a medical exam because the time is now, so you're ready to actually get your green card. So you... You're done. Step three. No three years. 
Listen to me. This is a season of accelerated manifestation. They told him three years. God did it in a week and a half. I told y'all, I told y'all, I told y'all, in the Old Testament, right, what, what they would do when people said fake stuff, they'd stone them. But God's already doing it. God's already doing it. And he did it for Coquetzo. He's done it for Grace. Listen, listen, let me tell you what else we're excited about. Uh, 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 Fitzgerald sent me a video, uh, and he was hanging out with the Roots. And uh, so Quest Love and Black Thought, they were like, hey, man, go follow Fitzy Allen. And, uh, you know, we need 50,000 people to follow him. Uh, they're, they're in the process. And we're going to believe God for this as well, uh, for an internship with Saturday Night Live next summer. Come on, somebody. Listen. Now, some of you need to get excited about your neighbor's blessing. Come on. Because you look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. Get excited about your neighbor's blessing. Because it's coming to your house. It's coming to your house. What if? He did it for wedding joy. What if? What if? What if? What if? What if you're here and you say, man, my, my, my stuff is raggedy. I need a breakthrough. What if God is saying this time tomorrow? 1143 on November 11th, everything will be different. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. Lord, would you confirm your word? We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at If you were encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text City Church TV and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.